we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Romero Ruiz from Salinas, California. Born and raised in the salad bowl of the world, Romero is a diesel mechanic for Bud of California, where he is tasked daily with keeping their specialty equipment running strong. Romero, how are things in uh, Salinas, California today? They're pretty good, man. Super busy like always. The coronavirus hasn't hit us. I mean, we've been doing our job like if nothing has been happening, you know? That's good to hear. Dan, how about the uh, the big town of Parrington, Texas? How are things there? Well, we actually had our first case uh, last weekend, if we're talking about corona, and uh, now it's up to 20 people, I guess, or something like that. But, hey, I'm just, like Romero said, living our lives like we always do. I mean, can't be scared of a, a little virus, can we? Absolutely. <laughs> or maybe we should be. <laughs> <laughs> Romero, thanks for hopping on with us today. We're we're thrilled to to get out to the state of California, um, and and visit with somebody that's involved out there in agriculture. Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Alrighty. Well, like I said, yeah, my name is Ramiro Ruiz. I mean, I grew up here in California. I mean, all where I'm at, Salinas, California, we're surrounded nothing but agriculture everywhere. We're known as a salad bowl of the nation or the world, I should say. And uh, well, my parents. Everybody's been working in agriculture. My brother, well, my family, what can I say? My grandparents came over here from Mexico during World War II, during uh, the Bracero program, which in English means a manual laborer or one who works with their hands. So they, they were here for quite a bit during World War II. They were harvesting apples in San Jose, California, which is now Silicon Valley. There's no more agricultural there, which is kind of crazy, you know? Yep. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I grew up around agriculture. I mean, I grew up on a small farm in Castro, California, which is seven miles away from Salinas. I mean, we grew up on a small eight-acre farm. My dad and my uncle grew a zucchini and fava beans, all organic, and we had our own chickens. I mean, we had pigs, goats. It was kind of like a homestead. So after we got started in agriculture, well, that, being at home, I mean, it's... Well, my friends would make fun of us. Oh, you live on a ranch. You live on a ranch. You guys are weird. I loved it, man. My childhood was awesome. We hunted. We drove tractors. I mean, you guys should know what living on a ranch is, right? It's fun. So, I mean, I mean, I'm out of my friends. I run. The, there's a lot of rural areas around there, around Salinas. They call them uh, they call them hicks because they're like cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hung around with a lot of them. I mean, they were cool guys. And then me being Mexican American, I mean, a lot of my friends saw me like, "Hey, how can you hang around with them?" I mean, I hang with everybody. I try to be cool with everybody, you know. But yeah, it's a little bit of me in agriculture. Like I said, I mean, it's all around me here. Right on. That, that's pretty neat. You know, most most times when you hear of uh, uh, California. You just hear the big cities, and uh, till here just recently, I really didn't realize how much agriculture uh, there was in California. You just do not hear about it compared to the big cities and, and movie stars and all that stuff. And so it's interesting to be able to talk to somebody that has that uh, 
agricultural job, I guess, for a way to put it. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of people think California, you know, Hollywood, uh, Disneyland, I mean, like Universal Studios, or like you said, big cities, but for me, I hate all that. I love being around agriculture. Like, there's another valley close to us that's like two and a half hours inland. Well, Central mm-hmm. Valley to the California farmer and farmer Jones at. Mm-hmm. It's cool there too. I mean, it's California's mostly agriculture, like the way I see it. I mean, I don't see anything else. Yeah, a lot of people like to think of all these things. I think that's a that's a pretty interesting so, takeaway. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Tell us a little bit about your your background. Your family moved uh, over to over here during World War Two. And then y'all, y'all been in agriculture ever since? Is that kind of what you're uh, getting at? Well, my grandparents, like I said, they came here to work in the, the apple orchards of uh, San Jose, California. And during that time, my mm-hmm. dad was, he was a little kid. He was living in Mexico. But then during their time okay. here working, my grandparents would migrate back. When the season was over, they would go back to their home in Mexico. So after that, they would come back to work in the fields or wherever they found a job. So in one of those years, they got a job harvesting lettuce here in Salinas. So they were already older. They, they migrated my parents over here, and my parents would do the same thing. Well, my dad, actually. My mom was, wasn't around by then. But yeah, my dad met my mom here in Salinas, and uh, they were harvesting Brussels sprouts. That's how they met. Uh-huh. And uh, well, ever since so, we've been here, I mean, I, I grew up in, I, I was born in San Francisco, California. And uh, I raised here in Salinas, California. Right on. That's pretty. That's pretty neat. So, t- so you've always been in ag it's, since growing up. That's kind of just been yeah. your life. Gr- growing up, you you were involved in ag. How did you always know that 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 you were going to work in ag and, and make a career for yourself in ag, or did you kind of think about other things? I mean, I did because since I, like I said, I grew in a I grew up in a small farm. And then right across our farm was a big uh, artichoke field, which is like the big shot of our of the valley. So it's all the Italians. And I mean, we were, I grew up there every day watching the tractors uh, prepare the ground and uh, harvest and, you know, everything. So when I was a kid growing up, I wanted to be a tractor driver. I wanted to drive one of those old uh, D2 caterpillars that these two drive back from the 40s. I mean, I, mean, I want to do that one day. Then I started growing up, getting older. You know what? I want to work in ag, you know? So... I mean, my passion was always, like, turning wrenches, too, since my parents and my uncle, they always, we fixed everything on our own farm. So I would help out my dad. So, you know what? I'm thinking I'm going to go into the ag business, but I want to be a mechanic, like, working, like, for a big, uh, like, Caterpillar or something, or John Deere. So, anyways, I went, uh, I went to Wild Tech. I got my, uh, I went to my, did a two-year degree thing, whatever it is. <laughs> And uh, I got involved in that because during the summers here, kind of getting off track, but one of the one of the ranchers gave me and my brother and my cousin summer jobs were in high school. We were service their equipment, uh, paint their equipment, and uh, when nobody was around, like the irrigators, we would be the irrigators moving out of like irrigation pipes, and digging ditches. So that's like the main thing how we got started actually in agriculture. My myself was doing that summer job. Tell us, and, uh, tell us a little about that WyoTech program and, and kind of how it, why, why was that the one you decided to do to get your, your was it a diesel mechanic certification or, or something? Yeah, diesel mechanic. Were well, there, the thing is, because I mean, 
there's a lot of schools around here locally, like uh, local like uh, community colleges. But everybody you talk to, like, oh, don't do that. Do WildTech, and it's uh, more known, and you need to get yourself out there. I mean, I went to WildTech. Me and my twin, I got a twin brother, by the way, and we both did the same thing. We did a diesel and gas program. We did that for, what, like two years? And after that, I mean, I kind of struggled getting a job because nobody wants a newbie, you know what? Not even to change oil. You have two years' experience. Like, how am I going to get two years' experience if I just got out of school? So I went back to my old employer, uh, and he got, gave me a job about servicing his tractors, greasing. It was a, kind of like a loop tech greasing and, and changing oil, which was awesome, but it wasn't paying the bills. I was getting paid, well, like, seven bucks an hour, which is nothing. And then shortly, the company I work for now, my cousin, uh, he's a supervisor there, so he's like, you want a job? Well, what? A mechanic working on custom harvest, lettuce harvesters, broccoli harvesters, salary, it's all custom equipment. Was it powered by diesel and hydraulics? I'm like, yeah. So I got the job. Uh, I mean, you got to know people who get a job, you know, so I didn't fail. I just filled the application. The next day, I had a job. But the thing is, I mean, after I started working there, I, I fell in love with, like, I never knew how big agriculture was until I started working here for this company. I was like, man, this thing is huge. And I got started uh-huh. falling in love with it. Like, man, I can't believe we're doing this, we're doing that. We're doing so much. We're harvesting so much a day, a week, a month. It's crazy. Tell us tell us more about that company you mentioned. What? Uh, who, who are they? What do they grow? Um, kind of tell us, tell us a little bit about them. Well, my employer is a, it's called a Bud of California. That's the name of the company. And it's not Bud like marijuana. It's Bud like a, like a rosebud. Cause the, and the, the company has been around since like the forties, but dough fresh vegetables, you know, like the bananas and the pineapples, mm-hmm. they bought my company that I work for. They bought them off in the early nineties. So now it's dough fresh vegetables. So that's why I work for you, you, you reference that, that part of the California as the salad bowl of the world. Um, mm-hmm. is, is it just thousands and thousands of acres of vegetable production down there? Yeah, man, it's crazy. Just to give you, there's 1.4 million acres of farmland here in the Salinas Valley. Wow. And every, every day, I mean, just our company alone, a day just with a lettuce cruise. They can cut like uh, 15,000 boxes of lettuce, which is one box of lettuce has 24 heads of lettuce in it. So you can imagine that's just one one company. And we got here, wow. because our company, there's hundreds of companies that do that every day. Every day you come here, you see truckloads and truckloads of lettuce or cauliflower, broccoli, celery, spinach. You name any kind of uh, leafy greens, you can see it on the road where somebody harvesting it. Hmm. So what kind of regulations do you have? Uh, when when you're harvesting uh, vegetables like that that are directly consumed by the consumer? Oh, man, it's crazy. I mean, first of all, uh, you, you, we got to wear gloves. Like, the hard people at Harvest got to wear rubber gloves, and they got to wear uh, hair nets, uh, face masks. They can be exposed, and every time they go on their break, they got to wash their hands and uh, sanitize them. Then after that's done... Uh, like, they got a lot of food safety. Like, they'll bring a guy out there that works for us. Oh, this is food safety. Mm-hmm. He comes out and brings, like, any box of lettuce. Give me that box of lettuce or whatever vegetable they they, they harvested. 
So then you start checking it for E. coli or any type of bacteria. And if there's something wrong with that, they'll throw the whole uh, the whole truckload or whatever they harvest in the field. They'll they'll dis they'll uh, they'll dis they'll throw it away. I mean, wow. If one and like I said, if one box is bad, that's it. Like you don't want to you know like uh, the romaine scare with all that uh, E. coli that's been happening. So they'd uh -huh. rather throw everything away than uh, try to sell it. They don't want nobody getting sick. Then after, but before that, once you're done harvesting the equipment, they sanitize it every night. Everything is sanitized every night and every mm -hmm. morning. So the, the, yeah, it's really, the, the actual the equipment really is sanitized? Free. Yeah, they wash. They, we got a, Every company has their set of, uh, of guys who wash equipment. They sanitize and wash it down every night like with sink cleaners. So, I mean, here, the business oh. here with the whole leafy greens is really profitable. I mean, there's a business everywhere. The people that sanitize, uh -huh. I mean, you name it, there's jobs here. So, you're so they're, like, if you make a little oil spill in the engine compartment, they're going to clean that up? Or is it just the kind of the outsides of the machine? Uh, like the, our machines, like our tractors, John Deere's, whatever we mm -hmm. use, they go inside the furrows where they haven't been harvested. We have like, we call oh, it a okay. diaper. It goes on the bottom of the tractor. So there's a little spill. It's going to come on that. It's like a tarp and it's going to absorb the oil. Oh. And then we, if that tractor's leaking, okay, we'll park it. We'll repair it. Then once it's nice and repaired, it goes back in the field. But if it, if there's an oil leak or diesel spill or something inside the field, They'll, mm -hmm. they'll like, uh, quarantine it off, and they'll seal it off, and nobody can harvest around there, or they probably won't even harvest the field sometimes. Wow. So tell us a little about the equipment on your farm. I know y'all have some very specialized equipment for, for harvesting that stuff. I'm curious about what kind of equipment y'all have on there. Well, like, for, for starters, our, our equipment that we have here, it's all custom made in-house. It was all designed by engineers back in the early 80s, and it's been working well for us, and we've been using it. Like, our lettuce harvesters are like a factory on wheels. They're powered uh, by two uh, Thermal King uh, diesel engines. They're coupled to two hydraulic uh -huh. pumps, and they're uh, hybrids. we got generators on them. Uh, one crew, one wow. lettuce uh, harvester takes uh, 35 people to one harvester, so you can imagine how many people are on there. You got the machine operator, yeah. then you got the cutters, I mean, box makers, everything. It's just one. I wow. mean, no equipment, like I said, it's all one off. You won't find it anywhere else in the world. Here's that come out and create those machines to kind of see what they're thinking and, and how things work the way they do. Yeah, like we, we got two engineers that are in house, and sometimes what they're playing in their head or on the computer doesn't always work on and actuality, you know what I mean? They're, they're doing everything mm -hmm. on the computer, so when it's time to put it down in the real work, in the real world, it doesn't work. So sometimes we work the bugs out of kinks and we get it going ourselves. But I mean, yeah, Man, I wish I could talk. What was that? I wish I, could, I wish I could talk to some of the engineers that have engineered some of the stuff we have on our farm. <laughs> I'd tell them what for. <laughs> right. So, y'all grow year round, right? They're, you you don't have just a, a May to I don't know October growing season. Y'all have every single month y'all are growing yeah. something, right? Yeah, every 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 uh, but yeah, we got two growing re regions here in Salinas. I mean California. We grow uh, from uh, from mid March 
all the way to mid-November. Then from there, we transition over to Yuma, Arizona for four to five months. Because during that time here in California, mm-hmm. it's raining and it's muddy, so we can't... We, we could harvest, but it's going to be hard uh, working the soil and everything. And we're just going to be breaking down equipment. So during that time, it doesn't rain as much in, in Yuma, Arizona. So that's what we're there for our winter months so, to get the job done. Then everything, once we're done there, we come back. But during that time, we already have a feed field here in the valley, you know, Salinas, transplanted or direct seeded. So when we come back in uh, March, everything's already growing. Get ready to harvest. But mm-hmm. all year, year round. And another thing, the turnaround here in one of our fields, if we start herbicide lettuce today or any type of a crop, within a week, that field will be ready and transplanted with a different crop already. That's how fast the turnaround is around here. Mm-hmm. So, so everything's transplanted in. Do y'all, does the, does the Bud of California Dole Vegetable Group grow those grow those transplants from seed or they source those from somewhere else uh we got our own greenhouse so we do our own greenhouses uh like i said we direct seed to onto the ground onto the soil during the winter month that we're down in arizona we'll direct seed everything and uh, if we don't direct seed we'll put like a cover crop like mustard or uh some sort of grass so we can just get up back and get that nitrogen back in the ground but yeah we do everything in the house we've got our own greenhouse Direct seed. I mean, we do it all. Gotcha. So, y'all are living in. I mean, your state overall is pretty well populated in certain areas, isn't it? Yeah, I think uh, it's like one hundred and forty thousand. The population yeah. here in Salinas. But there's nothing. So, there's around Salinas is like the main city. Around there's just mm-hmm. like small towns. Like the town I grew up was a town of uh, four thousand, which is probably a lot, but I mean it's it's a small town. There's a little tiny town there on here. Yeah, and they're all farming. So do you have do you ever deal with like farming or people who are against farming? There's people here that you'll see the trucks or tractors that work in the ground and throwing smoke, or they'll honk mm-hmm. at us, or they'll start pulling over like, "Hey, what are you guys doing? You guys are contaminating the earth. You guys are all that." Fossil burning fossil fuels, all the tractors. What are you guys fumigating? Like, it's old equipment. I mean, it's gonna throw smoke. But people, people don't realize that. I mean, um, say we planted a what 50 acres of lettuce, we're gonna throw more carbon than what the truck's throwing now. You know. But mm-hmm. we got a lot of hippies out here too. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So besides uh, challenges of dealing with people that may not know. A lot of information about agriculture. What kind of other challenges do y'all deal with farming over there in, in California? One of the main things that are we struggle with is uh, people because our our, uh, our labor force is already older, so there's a lot of them are retiring. So we don't have that. Our company won't hire any people that that are illegal per se. If you come here, you got to have your documents ready to work, and that's a, a lot of companies that run here. You don't do that. They'll hire anybody. If you got fake documents, they'll come ahead and start harvesting for us, you know? And with us, I mean, labor force is a big one. They're the backbone of our company. Without them, I mean, we can't do anything. And like I said, that's the biggest issue with us is labor force. Mm-hmm. So on average, part. like, yeah, mm-hmm. so on average, during, like, during harvest, 
for, for like lettuce. How many uh, workers or employees is on that field right there harvesting? We have like 300 or 400 people in our, see, if it's, we have eight crews right now harvesting those like, like around five, 600 people harvesting wow. a day. We're talking about truck drivers, uh, people harvesting the mm-hmm. machine operators, tractor drivers, all that. Yeah, bus drivers. I mean, it's a lot of people. So it's it's pretty difficult in your area to come up with somebody that knows what they're doing with, with equipment, such as, like, tractors and stuff, right? Yeah. That's one of the main things around here. You got to – I mean, it's good for us. I mean, there's a lot – every day here, like I said – there's not um, nothing that breaks down. Everything you get a breakdown every day. I mean, all day, that's what we do. And like, with us, we got 35 mechanics in our shop, just to put it in perspective, mm-hmm. just for us this year. There's other companies that have wow. the same, or they got a little bit less. But it's a big operation. Mm-hmm. Romero, you, you say it's a big operation with lots of different moving parts um, in the field, um, on the ground. Uh, if uh, I, I hate to, to say that machines break down, but they do, and I think you'd agree to that. Is there is there one piece of machinery that you really you really enjoy working on? Oh man, I love working on. We got custom uh, forklifts that we use in our celery harvesting. They're all the nine thirty nine C caterpillars that were uh, custom made with high tracks, and they got forks, so they're like forklifts. I love working on those, man. It's my favorite piece of equipment to work on. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, hold on. I, explain to me how a forklift helps you helps you harvest celery. The thing is, since celery, it's always wet. So mm-hmm. if you grow high, you know, you've seen a celery stalk, right? Yep. Imagine in a field, hundreds of them, and the moisture gets trapped underneath. So the furrow, the, the field, they're always wet. So all our harvest equipment for our lettuce, I mean celery, the, everything is run on everything has tracks on it, metal tracks. So those forklifts, they go up to the harvester, they take two pallets at a time, and load them onto trailers. And then we had if we have tractors with wheels, I mean they were just bogged down. So yeah, that's what we use uh, those forklifts on there. Gotcha. Caterpillars. I, I googled a picture of celery harvest, and it makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see. Yeah, we don't like the moisture on here. Bring some hot equipment. The, does that does the moisture affect when y'all can harvest? I know if like if if Dan was to to harvest something up in the Panhandle of Texas, the moisture's just got to be the humidity and stuff's got to be just right. Do y'all do y'all face those same challenges there? Or do y'all just kind of open it up and, and harvest when you can? No, I mean we harvest like our iceberg lettuce is one main thing. If it's raining, we it's rare that we harvest it because if the sun comes out, it'll get mildew on the leaves. And it's no good. He'll rot. But our celery, broccoli, every, and uh, what else? Celery, broccoli, that, cauliflower, we can harvest that in the rain. Those crews will never stop. Rain or shine, they get it done. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, Romero, we've kind of hinted at it, but or I guess not really. <clears throat> so, Romero, m- moving on, uh, social media. You, you've got a pretty good account. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm kind of looking at it right now, just uh, seeing some pictures and, and stuff. And, man, you take some great pictures of just crops and everything's straight and green and cloudy. And, 
If I wasn't a hundred percent sure, I'd almost say that you're almost in Texas, as beautiful it is. But I don't know if I can go that far. But <laughs> tell us about how how you got started on social media and why it's important to share your story. I mean, it all started one day. My uh, my wife said, "Oh, you should do a uh, Instagram account." I'm like, "I don't want it. I'm not really into social media. I'm more of a quiet person." So then, uh-huh. you know, just do it. So we can do family pictures and everything. So I I opened my account up. And I started taking pictures of the fields and what I do. And then I just got, people started liking it. Like, oh, that's what lettuce feel like. I'm from back east. I'm like Indiana. I never knew where lettuce come from. So let me take a picture of this broccoli field. Let me take a picture of this celery field. So people started liking my mm-hmm. post. So I started getting more involved and showing people where their food comes from. Like their, well, their salads or their broccoli, celery. And people love that. And I started my account, like I said, just for family, but then it got for work. I mean, like, not work, posting whatever I do and what I like, what I enjoy about agriculture, so people can see where their food's mm-hmm. coming from, what it takes to get there, you know, from the field to the dinner table. So that's the main thing why I created it, when I got what I actually got involved in, like right now. Uh-huh. That's my main thing. You, uh, you just, just so- crossed 4,000 followers. Congratulations on that. Um, that's a, thank you, that's a thank you. Big mile. Anytime you break a thousand, that's a milestone on on Instagram. Um, <clears throat> right on. Do you? And I've asked people this question before. Whenever you you go out in the field of of let's just say celery, do you kind of look around and think, man, what's going to be a good picture, or do you just take what take what's there and and throw a quick filter on it and post it? At first, that was me. I just I just take a picture and load it. But now I'll get on the ground and I'll like crouch down, and people, my coworkers. They're like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Taking pictures of celery? <laughs> and I'm like, it's for the grand guys. Leave me alone. <laughs> yep. But now I get more like, oh, like <laughs> Yeah. Dan, do you think he would let you so, go uh, check crops like Dan in his in the lettuce field? I don't know. That's probably like, yeah. I would probably contaminate things too bad. You'd have to quarantine it off just like an oil spill, more than likely. <laughs> yeah. Romero, something you do, I, I don't know if you do it every morning, but you do it pretty often where you, you, you post on your Instagram story kind of telling your followers what, what you're, what's going on that day or what you're doing right then. Um, why, do you, why do you do that, and, and wh- when did you start doing that? Uh, I think I started doing this with, like, Sometime uh, last year, I mean, just so people can see what it takes or what's happening behind the harvest, you know, everybody thinks, oh, just go and harvest this here and it's done. But they don't know the toll it takes on equipment, how it breaks every day. And they've got people behind it, like me, repairing it every day, day by day, day in, day in, day out. So that's the way I, do. I, I post my story so people can see like, oh, man, you know what? These guys are going through trucks or tractors like like nothing but. Then they see when they were done repaired, like, oh, this guy already fixed it? That's kind of cool. So that's the main reason. So moving on, Romero, uh, if, if you could go back and talk to your 15-year-old self, coming from where you're at right now to uh, when you were 15-year-olds, what, what, what would you say to yourself? Man, I would say, you know what, stay in school and go. I've always, like I said, I, I, go, I go, go back to school and get your degree in a being an agronomist or something with agriculture, but besides turning wrenches, I mean, something you can use your mind, your head, or or something. But, yeah, I would go stay in school. That's the main thing. 
because turning wrenches pays the bills, but as we get older, I mean, I don't want to be doing this all my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, because now my knuckles are both, my knees are something, you know, you know what turning wrenches does to you? Mm -hmm. Kind of. I try to stay away from that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, for any kids listening right now, or, or even parents, you know, just make sure that your kids realize the value of, of uh, an education, or education, yeah. as I like to put it, because it is important, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was going to go to university here in California. It's a UC Monterey, here in Monterey Bay, to be like an uh -huh. like engineer. But I'm all, I like working with my hands. So I told my mom, you know what? I'm going to be a mechanic. I'm going to go to Wyotech. No, no, no. Why are you going to be that? I mean, my dad will let him do whatever he wants to do. I mean, he wants to turn wrenches for the rest mm -hmm. of his life. It's up to him. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. But if I had to go back, yeah, stay in school. Definitely. Right on. Romero, we're going to move on to a, a kind of more lighthearted segment that we have in the podcast. We're going to throw some rapid-fire questions at you. Um, these questions are some kind of serious, I guess-ish. Um, but we, we, we just want your honest answer. Don't think too much about them. Uh, but the first question, uh, here in Texas there's a debate whether it's a breakfast taco or a breakfast burrito. Uh, in Southern California, what do you all call those, those, uh, those breakfast items? Breakfast burritos—that's what we call them. That's it. I think Dan's on team burrito, also. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have never even heard of such a thing as a breakfast taco. Whoever's calling it a breakfast taco must be uh, a special kind of person. That's all I can. He's probably from New York. So moving on. Okay, you raise a lot of vegetables, or you help. I mean, you're on a farm that raises vegetables. Whatever. Uh, what's your favorite vegetable to eat? Broccoli. I can eat that raw without anything. Straight out of the field. I can just get it, cut it, and eat it. Right on. I love it. All right. We've talked about vegetables. Now we're going to move to your favorite place to eat. Man, my favorite place to eat? I think it would be my mom's house. I don't like... I live in Mexico around here, and I don't like them. I think my mom's cooking. Smart answer. Smart answers. Mom is always the best. Dan, did you know every exactly. time we ask that question, that's the answer? We probably should just throw that one out. <laughs> I mean, usually, it's probably the smartest answer overall. You might secretly have a better or a favorite restaurant, but overall, if your mama listens to this, you're going to get whooped if you don't say mom's. So right. You know. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the, the person I fear most in this world is my mother. So, <laughs> yep. That's right, man. Last question for you. On those on those long drives from California to Arizona, you spend quite a bit of time in the truck. Uh, on those long drives, what, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, man. I listen to rap, country, uh, Christian music, whatever folks my both rock and roll. I mean, I listen to everything. I'll listen for an hour, Mexican music. I'll go back to rap, go back to country. Like I said, I listen to everything. Awesome. <laughs> as we as we start to wrap things up here, um, why don't you pl plug your social media stuff for us so the the listeners out there can find you? 
Uh, it's at Ram628 on my Instagram. And my Facebook is at Ramiro Reese Jr. Awesome. Folks, my only two we'll have his Instagram link down below. He just broke 4,000. Uh, let's see if we can get him over 5,000 from the from the good advocates out there. Uh, Dan, close it out for us. Right on. Well, you've changed my mind, Romero. Uh, beforehand, I've always just called California California because of some outspoken uh, politicians in that country. But I might have to switch to, to less demeaning name rather than California because there's guys like you out there that are, are living the dream. I mean, quite honestly. No matter what you're doing, you're you're living the dream, and I appreciate that. I I've never been one to to eat vegetables too much, but every now and then, if I find a, a celery stick or something, I'll be thinking of you. You know it. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> right on there. Yeah, right on. But uh, what, is there something you'd like to tell our listeners in the in the end here? Just enjoy what you do in life and do it, and remember. A day without red chicken is like a day without farming. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Right on. I love it. Yep. Well, Romero, I want to thank you for coming on our show. Uh, you definitely have changed my mind about Californians, for sure. I've actually never really talked with one uh, like this. I mean, there's there's Farmer John or Dutch Hollow or whatever, but yeah, he, he's, he's a different kind of fella. <laughs> but uh, I sure appreciate you coming on our show and uh, – Definitely really do appreciate the hard work you put in uh, to uh, serve this great nation and, and to serve the consumer. And so uh, thank you very much, sir. You're welcome, and thank you guys for having me on there. Absolutely. Romero, thanks again. Dan, we'll visit with you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan... I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.